Board Round, session number 25. The moment you step foot on campus as a medical student, you are gearing up for one of the biggest tests you'll ever have to take, USMLE Step 1 or Comlex Level 1. The medical school headquarters and board vitals are going to help you prepare for your first board exam with questions, pearls of information, and guidance to make sure you have what it takes to score high and match into your specialty of choice. Welcome back to Board Rounds. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week as I am joined by Dr. Karen Shackelford from Board Vitals, your test prep company. If you haven't checked out Board Vitals yet, go to boardvitals.com, click on medical students, and check out everything that they have to offer for medical students, including USMLE Step 1, Step 2, Exam Step 3 even, Comlex Level 1, and all of the shelf exams as well. If you are getting ready to prepare for your Step 1 or Comlex Level 1 Go check them out. Give them a try. Their QBank, their system is set up to simulate the real USMLE Step 1 and Comlex Level 1 exams with questions that are equally as hard. They're going to get you prepared for your Step 1. If you go check them out, you can use the promo code BOARDROUNDS, all one word, to save 15% off of any of their products. Again, that's BOARDROUNDS at boardvitals.com. We're going to jump in with another question today. Karen, back for some more board rounds. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you, Ron? I'm doing well. Thank you. I'm excited to jump in with some more USMLE and Comlex prep. What do we have in store for us today? Well, um, today we have a nice uh, hemo. Poetic and immune system question. Oh, my favorite. Not too difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Let me go for it. And let's all remember that the step one is all about basic science. So those basic science disciplines. A 16-year-old male presents with complaint of sore throat, fatigue, and low-grade fever for three days. Exam reveals posterior pharyngeal erythema with white exudates on his tonsils. He has enlarged posterior cervical lymph nodes and posterior auricular lymph nodes are slightly enlarged. His spleen is palpable on abdominal exam. Throat culture is negative for strep and monospot is positive. Which of the following findings are associated with the patient's diagnosis? And the options are atypical lymphocyte, eosinophilia, D is how jolly bodies, D is stickled erythrocytes, and E is target cells. Oh, um, so as you're reading it, I'm like, ooh, this sounds like mono. Ooh, this sounds like mono, um, potentially. Um, so we have uh, a very typical, right, a very typical... Uh, step one question of, okay, uh, we're not going to ask you what the diagnosis is because that's too easy. We're going to ask you about some other random thing way down the line. Um, So for me, uh, the last one, what was the last one you said? Target cells. 
target cells. Um, I forget what target cells are, but I don't remember them being related to mono. Sickled uh, cells, obviously not. Um, jolly bodies, I don't know. Um, man. Um, so the, the eosinophilia, I don't think either. Uh, the atypical lymphocytes is what I remember from mono, so I would go with A. Okay, you got it. Um, actually, you're right. Atypical lymphocytes. I, we tried to throw you off with the enlarged spleen, just mentioning spleen, um, which might have made you think perhaps how jolly bodies. But anyway, atypical lymphocytes. So classical picture mononucleosis with fever, exudata, pharyngitis, the tender lymphadenopathy, particularly posteriorly in the cervical and posterior auricular nodes. It's, although they, you know, you can have adenopathy in the anterior nodes, and then the atypical lymphocytosis. Those are kind of the hallmarks of classic infectious mononucleosis. Mm-hmm. And uh, the explanation to this question goes on to discuss the etiology, which is infection with the Epstein Barr virus and the viral replication. Uh, then begins in the oropharyngeal epithelial cells and with dissemination and infection of B lymphocytes in uh, the oral pharyngeal lymphoid tissue. There is more step one detail here. The infected B lymphocytes that produce antibodies to the viral antigens, but they also produce another type of antibody, which you, which could have been another question, heterophile antibodies mm-hmm. that are uh, not antibodies to the virus, but antibodies to uh, other tissues. So they, um, active infection and the reinfection are regulated basically by the Epstein-Barr virus-specific uh, T lymphocytes. And atypical lymphocytes are activated, CD8 plus T cells and CD16 natural killer cells. And they appear in the blood about one to three weeks after symptom onset. Fatigue can persist forever. I'm just thankful I've never had infectious mononucleosis six months or longer in 13% of patients. And then, but the splenic en- enlargement, which is a big caution for practitioners, you know, mm-hmm. to remind their patients to avoid contact yep. sports, um, the enlargement usually resolved after about three weeks. But um, it can, even without contact sports, which I didn't realize this, um, spontaneous splenic rupture is responsible up to, for up to half of the cases. Wow. And it usually occurs about two weeks after symptom onset. So the incorrect answers, eosinophilia is usually associated with helminthic infections and some mm-hmm. other parasites. The, the how jolly bodies, I thought, were um, a good distractor. They refer to the basophilic remnants of DNA in circulating erythrocytes that usually is removed uh, in the spleen, so they're found in patients who have either no spleen or functional asplenia. And, of course, sickled erythrocytes associated with sickle cell disease. Mm-hmm. Target cells are associated with those disorders where the erythrocyte cell surface is increased disproportionate to the cell volume. So that mm-hmm. would be things like um, spherocytosis, for example. And that is pretty much it. That seems like a typical step one question. What do you think? I think it's a very typical step one question. Um, I definitely think I, I like some of the clinical stuff, right, of of 
Like, what what would you warn your patient? I don't know if a step one or level one would go into that sort of detail. It seems like more of a step two kind of question, The more of the clinical exactly. side of yeah. things. Uh, but definitely it's something good to know. Um, but yeah, it's a, a great question, I think, uh, that has lots of good, good take-home information. All right, there you have it. Another great question for you today, all about mono. Great question. Something that's very common, obviously, something that you're going to see not only on the test, but in a clinical setting a lot. I I think I will always remember my first splenomegaly that I felt in a patient in a urgent care setting that was part of an emergency department that I was uh, rotating in in medical school. And I was just like, oh, like I feel that. (laughs) It's down below the ribs. That's awesome. Uh, so definitely a great question, something that's super relevant, not only for the boards, but real life as well. Hopefully this was helpful. If you have any feedback, any suggestions for us here at Board Rounds, let me know. Shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net.